I'm not going to do a countdown. Welcome to Ways of Cinema. I am Jack, and now with me for the first time as regular co-host, Corey. Hello. I am Wife We Duty, Corey. Yes. No, now you've moved up. You're no longer Wife We Duty, Corey. Now you're co-host duties, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else cleverer than that. Uh, but then, welcome to the show. I'm glad that you're... Here's my, you know, you're you're my co-patriot in life, but now you're my co-patriot on the air, too, which is more important. Yes. <laughs> now, the real question is, though, how schmoopy am I going to be to you all the time on this podcast? And how sickened will anyone who listens to this podcast be by my schmoopiness? I don't know. I think, actually, when we start to really talk about some of our movie stuff, I think that that will fade uh-huh. away pretty fast. Because I, I mean, maybe I might pop up here and there, but I think that you actually will be, uh, especially when I bring up our next topic. I think you'll the the kind of barbs will come out of your <laughs> cuteness. You're like you're you're like an Ewok that has like spikes occasionally just randomly shoot out like a puffer fish or something <laughs> like that. You'll be like so fun to hug, and then you'll be like, ah, kill, crush, destroy. <laughs> well, you know, Ewoks do eat people. That is true. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, everybody loves Ewoks. Well, no, actually, no. A lot of people don't like Ewoks. But we love Ewoks. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, but you know, you kind of forget. You know, yeah, sure, they might be all cute until they are eating you. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I am wearing my Ewok sweatshirt right now as we record. Yes, which says Wub Wub. Yes. Which I think is incorrect though. That's supposed to be Yub Yub. Yes. Jeez, who who wrote that sweater? The White House. <laughs> This is just a side note. This has nothing to do with movies. Did you see that they put out a the invitations for the State of the Union, and they misspelled Union? I did. Was, I didn't even know it was humanly possible to misspell Union. union. Well, do, do yourself a favor, guys. Like, get, get a spell checker. That's all you... You can afford a spell checker. Just get, just get like, the caddy at the golf club. <laughs> you know he can spell. Anyway, um... But we're moving on now, and I just want to talk a little bit about the Oscar nominations. Okay, so nominees for Best Picture... Uh, now I've turned the computer your way so that you, you can both see it. Yes, thank <laughs> All you. All right, so just to run them down for them really fast, uh, Call Me By Your Name, which is your favorite. <sighs> it, it never gets old bringing that up. Um, then we have uh, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Deming, Missouri. Uh, pretty good roster of, of films, I think, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with the quality of these movies. With I really liked all of them, except for Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> Which, if you want to hear more about that, I refer you to uh, our episode from uh, December 23rd, when we uh, talked about that at great length. Yeah, I'm going to try not to just rag on Call Me By Your Name the entire time. No, because... I mean, well, it, it, you can't help it because it does have a few other nominees, which we'll get to. Um, now, you you didn't see Darkest Hour. What was your decision for that? Because you like Gary Oldman. 
It's difficult to articulate. I just wasn't in the mood for it. Without knowing that much about it, I dismissed it as boring Oscar bait. And that wasn't a learned or reasoned response. I just decided that it was not the type of movie I was in the mood for at this time. Well, there and... was a well, there were. I mean, there was a slightly Oscar bait quality to it, but it actually was a really good movie, though. Like, I would say if you saw that, you might, for the most part, forget that it's kind of an Oscar bait movie and just focus on Gary Oldman because he's really awesome in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to him in a bit with with the best actor race, but um, yeah, to me, this is an. Ex- ex- yeah. really strong best yeah. picture race i mean you know two i mean two of these movies are in my top three you know top three or four movies of the year yeah. when i when i think about my top five films of the year my number one movie of the year get out is nominated yeah. my number two or number three movie depending on my feelings that day the shape of water is nominated my the movie that I would place right after The Shape of Water, so The Phantom Thread. The Phantom Thread. Yes, The Phantom Thread. Like the Phantom <laughs> So... I like that scene where Daniel Day-Lewis faces off against uh, Mace Windu. Um, I would... When I look at this list of nominees, I would say that... Don't... I would say the majority of these movies are in my top ten. I would say... There's, if I look at the list, there's one movie I have not seen, Darkest Hour, one movie I hated, Call Me By Your Name, one movie that I concede is well made, but I was not in the mood to watch at this particular historical moment in time, Uh, and that is The Post. Yeah, I mean, well, that was the thing, it's interesting, The Post is is that Best Picture nominee this year that actually didn't really get many nominations at all, it got two. For Best uh-huh. Picture, and then for Meryl Streep for Best Actress. Um, I, 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 when I, I listened to another podcast where they talked about the nominees, and they thought like The Post was literally created in a lab to get Oscar <laughs> nominations. Yes. <laughs> I, it, you know, you, Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg. Like, uh-huh. it's basically like having a you know a power trio is like having like cream (laughs) as like your your movie um but uh no i mean to me uh i mean i like the post a lot more than you did so i'm i'm happy that's there i would kind of put the post and ladybird on the same plane where i liked ladybird a lot too Hmm. it didn't quite make my top 10 like and it's hard for me to quite articulate why it didn't except that for as as wonderful as the acting and the writing is, it's still not like. Uh, how do I how do I say this? It 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 has it's a very high quality film that isn't doing anything that new. Well, I remember you said to me when we were talking about it that there was a smallness to it that kept yeah. it out of your top ten. Yeah, which and I know that that's not totally fair because in its smallness, in its details. It's a very rich film, and there's even one actor who we'll get to in a moment <laughs> who I think is actually better in Lady Bird than in the other movie. And uh, no, and all, but all the other films are in my roughly in my top ten yeah, as well. This I is mean, a great three, list. Yeah, three billboards. Um, I actually am more of a fan of that than it seems like it is. Although it's weird, that's one of those films that 
I feel like among the the top 10, that's the film that's gotten the most backlash. It's so weird because this movie did not come out that long ago, Three Billboards. Right. And it has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. So... Yeah, clearly the critics like it. And within the space of about three minutes, everyone decided they hated it. Now, for me, I like it, but I don't think it's a top 10 quality film i feel like a lot of the criticisms i've read of three billboards i actually agree with several of them it's just for me they're not movie ruining flaws yeah i mean well to me i kind of feel like there i think i read a couple people who might who tried to compare this to crash you know like the paul haggis crash and i can almost see kind of what they mean but I feel like this is the much, much, much better version of like what Crash was maybe trying to well, do, three which is like a big yeah. issues movie. Three Billboards is also, I think the tone is very different. To me, what's similar to Crash is that Three Billboards is not a subtle movie at all. No, it's not a subtle movie, but it also, it isn't, it's... It's taking itself seriously in the right ways for me as a drama. Or at least, like, 99% of the time. There are a couple of scenes that might be a little shaky. But even then, I'm, I could still let it go because I'm still enjoying the acting, like, so much in those scenes. And, and goddamn, Sam Rockwell is so great in this movie. Yeah, I... I just think it's been fascinating to watch because it's one thing for critics to reappraise a movie years after it came out. But I'm reading and consuming all this backlash dialogue and I was and I'm thinking to myself, this movie came out what? When did this movie come out? In November. Okay, so this movie came out. I'm trying to do think. You know what I think it is? We got the trailer for that movie a lot. Too many times. Yeah, we got that trailer throughout the year. Like, going back almost to, like, I feel like it came, I first saw the trailer for that in March. And we saw it a lot. And it was to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm so excited to see this. I'm tired of seeing the trailer. Now, I, I listen to the NPR Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast every episode. We're allowed to talk about other podcasts on the podcast, right? Yes, even though they're inferior. (laughs) (laughs) And they loathe this movie. And it was Gene Demby who said that he had serious problems with the racial politics of the film. And he addressed the positive reviews the movie got. And he said it was a reflection of the overwhelmingly white nature of film criticism. And his argument was basically virtually all professional film critics are white. So they're kind of tone deaf to the racial politics. I actually heard someone else do like, uh, talking about other podcasts on double toasted uh somebody brought up the point that maybe what if you would actually cut out the whole aspect of uh, i'll just say hopefully some of you have seen the movie if not go see it but if if, if you don't want to really be spoiled too much skip ahead a minute that sim rockwell you know that him torturing the uh the black person like the whoever the black uh his prisoner or whatever that they could have cut that out of the movie and not had the racial element to it, and it might have made for a mo a more coherent movie. Like if maybe say he he was still 
an abusive cop, but like maybe if he like he was beat gen- up on if teenagers. he was generically abusive as opposed to being specifically racist. And yeah, abusive. but I think it's hard to take that out of the film. It's kind of woven into who he is and what that part of the country is, which you know Missouri. Yeah. I don't know if people like people kind of tend to forget this in I think this happened the past several months that maybe it's like the NAACP or some organization said yeah. don't go to Missouri yeah. if you're black like just skip going through that state altogether. I mean we know what happened in Ferguson. So Yes. And I think what's interesting though is that I heard that this movie was actually the script was written actually 8 years ago originally. Now, obviously, with any script, uh, you know, you do your revisions and rewrites. So I'm sure that Mark McDonough updated it somewhat. But I'd be curious what was in his original draft as opposed to what he ended up shooting and how, if he changed anything or updated it to be more topical or or, or what he did. Um, and uh, now getting back to the nominations, though, for a second. So looking at this list, and mm-hmm. I, I talked about Shape of Water on the last episode I don't know if I can go too much more into it without crying, because <laughs> that, that, that's my movie of the year. Um, aside from the obvious one, and the one you haven't seen, what would you put on this list that okay. isn't here? Well, I would put the my either second or third favorite movie of the year. Which, again, it varies. And that's Ingrid Goes West, which was totally mm. shut out. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to bring that up when we get to the actress category, but that was a, a pretty fantastic film. I absolutely love the movie Ingrid Goes West. I don't think that ever had any real chance no. of getting, like, a Best Picture nomination. No. It I think I, Tonya, probably had a better shot at that. So, it's nice, though, that... I, my film of the year is actually nominated. <laughs> you know what's incredible, though, about this list? Like, It's almost easy to take for granted how diverse, in terms of genre, this list is. You know, I mean, you have a couple of your mm-hmm. Oscar baity type movies. I mean, even Phantom Thread, to an extent, mm-hmm. is kind of Oscar bait. It's just a little bit more auteur-driven. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, you know, Dunkirk, you got a war movie. Get Out is that extremely rare horror thriller entry which is really nice like that that makes me think get out is going to be like the silence of the lambs of our generation like that's probably Mm -hmm. if it even if it if it doesn't get best picture that's the one that's probably going to hold up a lot over time i really hope it wins best picture because it's my favorite film of the year and because we saw Get Out so early in the year, mm-hmm. as much as I loved Get Out, I kept waiting for it to get dethroned. Like, part of me kept thinking, all right, no way the movie I see in February is going to be... Yeah. Was it January or February that Get Out came out? Uh, fe- February. Well, that's like Silence of the Lambs also came out in February of that year. Yeah, so I said to myself, I saw Get Out and it blew my mind and I loved it. But there was also part of me who thought, no way a movie I, I see in February is sticking as my film of the year yeah. all year. Well, well, not and even, it did. Well, for it wasn't me. even so much that. I mean, well, I Get Out was never quite my number. Maybe it was my it was my number one for maybe like a few months in the mm. early part of the year because there was nothing else that until like maybe Baby Driver. There was nothing that came out that really uh. like overtook its spot. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely my top ten, uh, and I just am glad that. 
you have this you know movie that is you know a black directed starring movie and it's not about slavery at least not yeah <laughs> although it can definitely be a, it's definitely um a metaphorical commentary on slavery yeah. but it's not literally about slavery no 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 it's not but at the same time it's like you know, it's one thing when Jason Blum produced the movie, and he actually—he—it's not the first time he's had a movie that he produced that got Best Picture nomination. The one he had before this was uh, Whiplash, mm-hmm. also a great movie. You should always go see it. Um, but this is the first time that you know a movie that it, it basically is really one of his typically produced movies, which is like. You know, like like Roger Corman used to do. Here's a few million dollars. Go shoot whatever the fuck you want, and come back, and I'll you know don't ask for any more money, and just here's your one location. But you know, it's different than you know so much else that he's done. It's of the many things that are spectacular about this movie, my film of the year. One of the many many things I love about it is how it would have been so easy to make a movie about race. With easy targets. <laughs> yeah. But I like that the movie really gets at, well, not really, but it seems like it's attacking well-meaning liberal white folks. No, well, no, no, it is. Yeah. And it absolutely is. I and, definitely I... squirmed in my seat a few times and thought to myself... Yeah, I try to be woke, but I'm probably pretty terrible <laughs> in a lot of ways. I, I don't think I'm quite like them, though. I think that they are, uh. they're like the, they're the white people who have money. And that doesn't mean that we don't have some of their characteristics. But it's we're that, also broke. <laughs> well, no, no. But it is that thing where sometimes you, it's that, well, you try to say something that's well-meaning and it does come off the wrong way. I'm sure I've had that happen yeah. in my life just by virtue of the world we live in um but no it's also just great that like a movie that not not a typical horror movie but horror never gets you know looked at by the academy seriously and there have been some great horror movies that you know just kind of completely fall by the wayside yeah i'm really i'd like to believe this is maybe one step towards the academy getting over their genre snobbery yeah well i think that part of it too is that we're not seeing it fully yet. I feel like most, like, I'd say that 80% of the usual old guard academy is probably still there, which is why you see the kind of nominees we have this year. Mm-hmm. But there are, I know that the academy president has been trying to bring in more young people, younger people who, and by the younger people, <laughs> I mean people under 50. <laughs> and, you know, people who are women and minorities and all that. So that's how I think you get Get Out, and I think you also get Shape of Water, which I'm also really happy to see, because that's, you know... You know, it's one thing to sometimes get, like, a something like Lord of the Rings, or, or, uh-huh. or even Mad Max Fury Road, which are these big, huge directorial visions, but it's also something that people from the Academy can be like, oh, that's from my childhood, or that's something I, I know, you know, and I, I know that they are have a big this big vision. Shape of Water is a movie that it's about a woman that falls in love with a fish man. Yeah. <laughs> or as our friend Matt Rosen calls him, Paul Fishman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm really, I'm, I'm very happy with, with this list. I'm probably hap, 
overall happier with this list than even well I, I thought last year was pretty good too but this one it reflects a very good year for movies yeah. um, my actual film of the year has not been nominated for best picture in several years I'm going back and thinking of my hmm. films of the year for the past few years and yeah well sometimes that might just be because you know part of it might be because the movie you put as your movie of the year well no Whip, was Whiplash your movie of the year in 2014 Maybe. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I think it was number it was, two. No, it was Nightcrawler. Wasn't yeah, it? so my if I go back the last few years... My Wolf of mo- Wall Street was nominated for Best Picture. Oh, that's good. What year was that? 2013. So it's been a okay. few Okay, it's been a few oh, years. And one last thing about Get Out that's kind of cool. We're, well, not celebrating, certainly not in this house, <laughs> but it's now 50 years since Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. <laughs> my worst movie of all time. But like, Get Out is... At least partially a rebuttal to that movie. If you think I spit fire about Call Me By Your Name, just wait till you get me started on guests coming to dinner. Oh, boy. Now, do you want to be... Do you want to do the typical awards thing where for each category we do a will win, should win? Um, the problem is with that, I'm I'm not quite sure what will win for Best Picture. I'm I'm really stuck at the moment because there's certain... I mean, because I have my feelings about it, but I'm not totally confident. Cause so I, there are no well, there are no consequences right, to guessing right. wrong. Oh, I want to also mention besides before shame. Oh, I, I want to just move well, before I move on to that. Um, the one nominee that I wish had made the list was Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh yeah, that movie is amazing. It is on my top ten list as yeah. well. I that would have made this list. I know that it wouldn't it wouldn't win, and I know that logically I shouldn't ask that something should be on the list even if I know it won't win but I don't care I'd like to see it there because people will go see it Blade Runner 2049 is amazing now I know that movie didn't have great box office so anyone listening to this you might not have seen it go see it it is significantly better than the first Blade Runner so I don't know even, if I'd say significantly but it is uh, even if you're not a big fan of Blade Runner go see Blade Runner 2049 which you can also check out our review of that too Yes. Which we saw the opening weekend. Um, okay, so my will, my should. All right, well, this is, again, this is from my, almost more my heart and my head. My will win, I say, The Shape of Water, but I also think that there's a really good chance that the, that Get Out might get it, but then I don't know because I feel like the in the next month you could, like, I'm kind of ex- anticipating those uh, Hollywood Reporter uh, ballots. You know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? The like, if you ever, we might, have, I might have talked about this before on the podcast that there, the Hollywood Reporter will publish what they call anonymous ballots, and it's like they they publish these people from the Academy, uh, people who are filling out their ballots, and they're long. Very opinionated comments. I about love films. those comments because they're so petty and so nasty and so yeah, terrible. Yeah, and I think that's what you're. I'm kind of wondering if the backlash to get out will happen in like the next month. If like people will be like, well, yeah, it's a very hashtag woke movie, uh-huh. but 
it's still just a horror movie that's you know like yeah. ripping off. And uh, I think whatever. normally we would say Three Billboards because it won the Golden Globe and it won it the won SAG Award, but it's got this really intense backlash. It also didn't get a nomination for best pick, best director for Martin McDonough. So. Um, now that doesn't mean that that could be the dark horse to win, which is weird to say because it's it should be the front runner. But I'm just. And again, if it, if that wins Best Picture, I won't be surprised. That, but I'm just uh, so you're know. gonna so go my, for the Shape of Water is your will win. That's both my should win and will win. What about okay. for you? My should win is Get Out. Mm-hmm. My will win is actually something that you inadvertently talked me into earlier in the podcast. I think the Post is gonna win Best Picture. Mm, do you think because it checks off like everything? Yeah, and it'll. It will allow members of the Academy to pat themselves on the back for recognizing the importance of journalism in politically charged times. What it also could do, it would be weird if The Post wins Best Picture and doesn't also win Best Actress for Meryl Streep, because it'll be like the first time in, I don't know how many decades, I'd have to look up the statistic. Like I know it has happened, where a movie only wins Best Picture. It would be really else. weird. But it has happened. I, I I'm blanking on there was a film where this did happen before, but it hasn't happened in like God knows how many years. Here's my theory. And I too I'm not super confident in predicting a will win for Best Picture, but my theory is that a lot of shallow, stupid Academy voters will kind of mentally lump get out and the shape of water together in their heads, even though they are very different movies, as genre pictures. Yeah. And then and then kind of the I'm hip enough to vote for a genre movie vote will get split between Get Out and The Shape of Water. Then Three Billboards has got backlash. Lady, um, Lady Bird, I think, is a little too small. Like, they'll I, give it I, something else. I heard someone in my Facebook say that they thought Lady Bird would get Best Picture, and I thought, no way. No. Lady Bird's too small. Lady Bird could get screenplay, and, yeah. we'll, and we'll get to that. You make a good point. The one other thing I thought could be an interesting reasoning why the post could win, uh. and, and follow me on this. Uh, this is this might sound a little convoluted, but so we flash back to nineteen years ago. Okay. At that Oscars, you had Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan up against each other. Actually, your father has uh, told this story many times, <laughs> which is funny because he acts like as if I didn't watch the Oscars <laughs> that year. You know, I mean, I was young, but I was watching the Oscars then. Yeah. And But no, Spielberg got Best Director, and he gave this speech where he didn't say as much as you might expect because he was kind of thinking, well, I'll save my big, you know, honoring the troops and blah, 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 my father, etc. when I win Best Picture. But that goddamn Harvey Weinstein had to <laughs> swoop in there and kind of act like Brad Dourif in Two Towers, like poisoning <laughs> all the Academy members one by one and being like, no, don't you know, Stephen Private Ryan, everything was not good after the beach sequence. You, you don't need to vote for that. Vote for my movie. It's about Shakespeare and, and love and with Paltrow naked and blah, blah, blah. And he swept in there and won Best Picture. And he, he got... He and he actually has an Oscar from that night because he was credited as an actual, not just executive. He was a producer on that movie. 
I think because of the last year with Harvey Weinstein, they're, they might give it to Spielberg as, a, as an apology for not giving Save It Private Ryan best picture. Ah, uh, your beautiful mind. <laughs> I wish. Does that make sense at all? Like, yes. I think that like the Academy members, you know, and don't forget, Harvey Weinstein is now no longer in the Academy either. So he can't, there's, this is like one of, this might be the first year where we don't have any Harvey Weinstein presence at all. I wish this podcast was video recorded, not just audio recorded, because the look in your eyes as you were unspooling this theory, your <laughs> eyes shined like diamonds, and you were so enthusiastic, and it was beautiful. And okay, we've I wish to our listeners, I wish our listeners could have seen it. I'm sorry. Um, it's it's okay. gonna have to be a regular part of the podcast. I'm gonna gush over you. Okay. You're just—it's just gonna yeah. happen. But the point is, that's my—that's <laughs> my theory about how this could work. And maybe to again to your credit, how maybe the post could swoop in. Again, my my reasoning why I also don't think it'll happen is because it would just be weird for a movie to win Best Picture and nothing else. I agree with you. The lack of other nominations for the film seemingly yeah. makes it weak, but I see big problems with the Oscar campaigns of a lot of these other movies. It's going to be a. Oh, do you think you know, Dunkirk would win, maybe? That would also be a good one to win, too. That maybe, when you talk about splitting the votes, I mean, Dunkirk... When I first saw that movie, that shot up to my number one of the year. And that's still my number two. Yeah, it's definitely it's still my number two of the year. I, I thought maybe I'd switch it two or three um, with Blade Runner, but I think it's number two pretty steadily. And I thought after seeing it, oh, maybe Chris Renault will finally, you know, he'll get his. But the thing is, though, that came out in July. So you've had a lot of other movies kind of come in and take up some of the conversation and and some of the hype. Uh, so I don't, that, that could be another potential winner. That's why I'm, but I'm not confident. I, I really haven't been confident in my choice of a best picture winner in a, in a while though. And it's all, and like each year I'm kind of challenged on that because with the exception of Birdman in the past, like five or six years, all of the best picture and director winners have been split. Um, Unless if you fell asleep uh, and <laughs> thought and thought uh, La La Land won Best Picture and turned <laughs> off the thing, let's get in the Best Actor. Um, okay. So we got Timothy Chalamet, Calling by Your Name, Daniel Day Lewis, Phantom Thread, Daniel uh, Kaluuya, Get Out, Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour, and the one I didn't expect, Denzel Washington. Roman J. Israel Esquire. I'm so happy about this nomination, though. Why? Even though I think the script had some issues. Yeah, and I didn't dislike the movie. I thought it was good. I thought this performance was spectacular. It was Denzel Washington really doing something that we haven't seen from him before, which is, you know, get out of his cool zone. You know, like, he, uh. he won the Oscar for uh, Training Day, and even... I, I, I don't Do you think that there would be a rat's chance in hell they would give him the Oscar? No. No. I don't think the film has enough support. I feel like the nomination itself might be uh. its own way of making up to him that they didn't give it to him last year for Fences. Which he deserved. He kind of, I mean, as I loved Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Taking aside his 
personal yeah. stuff. Oh, by the way, did you hear that he's not presenting? Yes, I did hear. Yeah, he's not presenting the Best Actress Award, which I I I can I know why. Yeah, yeah. he he made the smart move, or his agents did, or whatever. Um, well, we've talked about Timothy Chalamet on the other episode. I don't know. I don't see it. I was like, I was talking to my brother last night, and he thought he he was great in the film. I I thought he was just kind of sleepwalking through a lot of that movie. Yeah, it's like, a very sleepy movie. Yeah, but like, and I but I know he has talent because t- he shows up in Lady Bird, and he oh. plays a supporting role in that. He plays uh, Lady Bird's second boyfriend in the film, and he's very funny in that in that role. Like he shows that he knows how to play that character and to play like the standoffish, too cool for everyone guy who uh-huh. everybody kind of knew in high school. He, like he knew that type. Whereas in Calling by Your Name, the character is just so kind of like, you know, very shakily founded, and and I I mean I didn't think he was bad. Uh-huh. And I don't, even you said that he didn't Yeah, I don't think any of the acting in that film was terrible. But I certainly didn't think he deserved an, uh, an Oscar nomination. No, no, not at all. And I'll get to who I think should have been in his place. Daniel Day-Lewis and Gary Oldman, those were, you know, the minute that you heard that they were in those films, it's like, okay, they're nominated. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> what, yeah. what do you say? It's Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> and Gary Oldman. They should have statues of them in england <laughs> like as soon as you come out of the airport you just see gary oldman and dale day lewis statues <laughs> and like you look too long in the dale day lewis one and <laughs> it'll be like that doctor who episode blink <laughs> whatever you do don't blink at the dale day lewis one um daniel kaluuya though how about that yeah he was and it's I didn't know if he would get it because that, again, we talk about how Academy has kind of a prejudice against these horror thrillers. And, you know, his character in that film, he's not playing like the typical kind of character that gets nominated. Like, you know, Chiwetel Ejiofor in uh, 12 Years a Slave. You kind of expected that. Or or even last year, Mahershala Ali with uh, Moonlight. I kind of expected that too. But him, and he was terrific in the film. He was. And when we saw Get Out, I hadn't seen him in anything else, I don't know. No, think. no. I, mean, he, he, I hadn't. Since then, we saw him in that great Black Mirror yeah. episode. So if any of you have not watched Black Mirror, first watch it. It's amazing. But if you're Get Out lovers like us and you want more Daniel Kaluuya awesomeness, he's in the second episode of the first series called One Million Merits. I'm glad you remembered the title because I forgot And it. I remembered it because one of my, because I recommended it to one of my students okay. a few days ago. But uh, And you can actually already see his talent in that episode. And yeah. it just kind of expands in this one. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad for him. I don't think he'll win. It's the absolute lock is Gary Oldman. It, he yes. the minute I left that theater, that was one of those times which I have, I I don't have it uncommonly. I don't have it all the time either. But I'll sometimes leave a movie and go, yeah, he wins. I had that with Christian Bale with the Fighter. I had that with, uh, um, well, obviously DiCaprio and The Revenant because. You don't eat that raw liver and don't get nothing. Um, but, 
the one that again I I, t- I would take out Timothy Chalamet. Let's let's say imagine Timothy Chalamet isn't here. Okay. I would put in uh, Robert Pattinson in Good Time, which I know you didn't see that movie. True. That's a case where kind of like Roman J. Israel, I didn't love that film. It, that movie got a lot of love from people. Like that's kind uh. of like the cult film of the year, really, as far as like gritty New York movies. I just. I wish I could have cared about the characters a little bit more or understood where they were coming from. But that said, Robert Pattinson, I was like, okay, I, I don't forgive you for Twilight, but, <laughs> but I see that you're really talented. Who, now, who else would you put in his place? James Franco for the disaster artist. He would be my number six. He would be my number six. Like he didn't quite, he wouldn't quite make the cut. If I, if maybe I took out one other person in here, and I don't know who, but yeah, I'd put him in. Now we were speculating that James Franco did not get a nomination for a few reasons. One, he's got his own little like Me Too situation going on, and second, we were saying that the that the disaster artist is not really the type of film that gets Oscar attention. And the movie wasn't very successful financially. Was no, it? but that doesn't mean anything. Roman J. Israel wasn't yeah. uh, successful. Um, I, I think a lot of people forgot that even came out. Yeah. Which is why I was so pleasantly surprised to see the nomination actually. Because... Yeah. I, I don't think it would have gotten nominated though, because I don't see the Academy usually nominating a lot of actors in comedies. Yeah. And I think his performance really is a comedic performance. Which... It is it is real though. It is a real he plays a real person and he try and he takes it seriously. But at the same time it is maybe they had a little bit of like a Oh, it's just another Seth that's Rogen, an, James yeah, Franco That's another comedy. good point. It's very hard to get a nomination for comedy, which is totally BS. Who is that famous actor who said, dying is easy, comedy is hard? Oh, God. I, oh, man. Maybe Jerry Lewis? I don't think it was Jerry Lewis. I don't think I would positively remember a quote from Jerry Lewis. <laughs> it, it was, if, if you remember that quote, Wagers, uh, can you maybe send us an email to wagerscinema at gmail? I, I don't know. But anyway, so that's what I... Now, who do you think will win? All right. Uh, so, now, do you think it's Gary Oldman? Yes. Now, you've actually seen the performance. I haven't. I am... I'm a fan of Gary Oldman in terms of body of work. Yeah. I obviously respect him. He was in my childhood favorite film of all time, The Professional. So I respect his career. But because I haven't seen this movie... I am bitter that he's going to win, and I'm actively rooting against so, him. So, of the three nominees that you've seen? Well, it's really tough for me, but even though it's the weakest film as a whole, I might go for Denzel and Roman J. Israel for should win, even though I don't think he has a prayer. What would, well, I'd kind of love if he actually did win, He'd probably he if he does if he does show up at all he'll probably be just like really like in his seat like I don't give a fuck <laughs> I'm here I'm Denzel whatever you know because he's probably bitter about last year I, I'm sure if they got <laughs> to the audience and shown Denzel he probably had a look on his face like bitch you know yeah which, which actually <laughs> I don't know if you saw at the Golden Globes uh, when James Franco won 
they cut to Hugh Jackman because <laughs> he was up for the Greatest Showman, and he had a look on his face like, "What?" <laughs> he didn't hide it at all. It's really hard for me to choose though because I have such strong feelings about both Get Out and Phantom Thread, and I definitely think of the three movies, Roman J. Israel is the weakest film of the yes. three, but. I just think Denzel is so amazing in that movie. And if I'm being honest, I'm also kind of factoring in his performance from Fences last year because... Mm, so it's kind of like a makeup. Yeah, because actually Fences was the movie I was rooting for to win Best Picture hmm. as well cool. because Fences was my favorite of the nominated films. It was not my film of the year. That was Silence. Scorsese got robbed, mm. but it was my favorite of the nominated films. So yeah. I want to give him like the Roman J. Israel Esquire slash Fences double Oscar. So that should win, will win, will be Gary Oldman. You've actually seen the performance. So how do you feel about Gary Oldman actually, taking it home? Honestly, I'm very happy about it. I think that among the nominees... Aside from the whole will they win or not, I think he actually has the strongest one of them. And that's up against Daniel Day-Lewis, who I love in Phantom Thread, but, you know, he almost could play that role in his sleep. <laughs> in his very intense sleep. And he does sleep very <laughs> intensely in that movie. <laughs> yes, he does. Even when he's asleep, he's intense. Even when he's asleep, he looks like he could kill you with his eyes. His sleep is hardcore. Alright, let's move on to actress, because this is a very strong category. Yes, and I've Sa seen all of these Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water, Francis McDormand, Three Billboards, Margot Robbie, I, Tonya, Sarshi Ronan, Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep, The Post. Uh... Not you know, not only not a bad performance in the bunch, all great performances. You know what's coming on the podcast. I've ranted to you about this seven times in person. You know what's coming now for the listeners. Okay, well, well, let's well, let me get this out of the way first because I mean we could review the film itself. Uh, maybe we you know I, I I don't know if we need to talk about it later because I guess we kind of are just doing that now. I've seen the post twice. And after we saw, uh, I saw it with Corey the first time. And after we saw the film, why don't you tell the listeners what you told me? All right. So I'm not saying it's a bad performance. But Meryl Streep has a kind of tick or a tendency in the post that drive me that drove me freaking crazy. And... That was the way she handled her glasses throughout the film. Now, Meryl Streep was showily gesticulating with her glasses throughout the entire film. And she held them in a way that suggested that she doesn't actually wear glasses. Basically, she did not handle her glasses the way an actual four eyes would handle their glasses. Any person with glasses knows you cannot touch the lenses. You smear them. When you're handling your glasses, you either pick them up by one of the arms or you pick them up by the nose piece in the middle. You don't touch your lenses. Okay. 
and she is rubbing her palms <laughs> all over the lenses, and I'm sitting there. Now, I know how petty this sounds, but if you've seen the post, you know how much she's waving her hands in the air like she just don't care with her glasses. Like, she's constantly... Um, drawing your attention to her glasses in her hands. She's constantly moving them in a way to emphasize, look at me, I'm holding glasses. And it really took me out of the film because every time I saw this, I thought to myself, this is a person on a movie set who is not used to handling glasses, well, handling glasses. First of all, I want. I feel like I've seen Meryl Streep wear glasses, though, like in real life. That's true, and that's actually. I was texting with our friend Matt Rosen about this, and because he noticed it too. You know, though. But the thing is, here's my point about this: Would he have noticed it if you hadn't pointed out? Because I don't know. I didn't notice it when you did point it out to me when I saw the movie a second time. I saw a few times where she was holding her glasses. I would come to her defense in as much as in those scenes when she was like holding her glasses and being nervous, it was because in the scene, the character is really nervous and the stakes are at such a point where she's like, you know, not sure what to do. Well, She's not doing it in every moment of the movie. Obviously, when I'm nervous, I want to compromise the quality of my eyesight by manhandling my glasses. It was a choice. <laughs> well, actually... <laughs> when, I don't know what else to say. When we talked about... When Matt was texting me about it, he actually said, I just automatically blamed Streep. And I just automatically assumed this woman doesn't know what wearing glasses is like. And no one was going to correct her or give her notes that she's Meryl Streep. Matt, actually, Matt Rosen texted me a very interesting theory, and I'd like to share it with the um, listeners. Okay. He blamed Spielberg, even though Spielberg himself wears glasses. And he said, the post is such a talky movie mm -hmm. that he probably directed the actors to over-gesticulate to give the audience things of visual interest yeah, to look that, at. That, that could be it. And it also could be the thing that actors like to, since going going back to like Brando, actors like to hold things in scenes. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I, and I think maybe part of it might have been if Spielberg had a little bit more time, maybe he would have, maybe oh. he could have told her, maybe don't do that so much. From what I understand, the post was shot very quickly. Yeah. So but... maybe when it was happening, he was just like, okay, cut. That was perfect. So but he has his Ed Wood moment. <laughs> I've accepted <laughs> Mac's argument and I now blame Spielberg, not Streep. But I don't know why he chose that because obviously he knows better because he wears glasses. And now that you pointed out to me, I've totally seen Meryl Streep wear glasses at award shows. And that's, what bothers me about it, wearing glasses is very common. So, but what if it's though the like the thing is you wear glasses all the time. That's true. What if there are people who will wear glasses as reading glasses and then they won't wear them in everyday 
life or even when they're driving or whatever. And that's this character. So yeah, Kay Graham is not a character like me who is walking to walls blind without glasses. She's someone who just needs them for reading. However, I consulted <laughs> with two other people who only wear reading glasses. I, the reason why Corey's laughing is because I'm giving her a look now. And it's not a twinkle in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I love that this is like the only thing we're going to talk about with this movie. <laughs> it's not the fact that Spielberg put together one of the best ensembles of his whole career that we have a stealth Mr. Show reunion that, you know, that we have uh, Saul Goodman and Meth Damon have a reunion. Now we're going to talk about Meryl Streep's glasses. Now, I'm not pretending like the glasses ruin the whole performance no. it's still a good performance but it's enough of a demerit where i wouldn't give her the oscar which is funny because you even brought this up in movies where it happens in one scene that's like true melissa I, leo in flight that was another thing melissa leo in flight clutches like wraps her palm around the lens of her this is just madness <laughs> I just think you're uh, insensitive to it because you don't wear glasses, so you don't know anything uh, about the care no, and maintenance no, of glasses. No, it's because it doesn't <laughs> take me out of the scene. I guess, no, if it took you out of the scene, then I. Wait, I'm not the reason stop. why stuff like this takes me out of the scene is. It's because it's a very realistically done film. Well, also, yeah, when I see things like this, I know they sound silly, but it reminds me this is not a character who really wears glasses, this is an actor who maybe doesn't really know how to handle... Because no person who wear People who wear glasses learn very quickly through trial and error how their glasses are to be treated. <laughs> and... Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, we spent like 20 minutes talking all right. about this. So in other words, Meryl Streep is the dark horse in this category. <laughs> With, like, a hundred nominations. <laughs> Wasn't it Film Spying that said that they should just have, like, a Meryl Streep, like, special award now or something? It's lazy how she gets nominated well, for literally no, every single performance. Well, no, I, well, I told you, well, I talked to you about this recently, that I, it's, it's almost like a boy who cried wolf situation. I don't know if that's a correct analogy. Like, she gets nominated so many times for things and often for things that really shouldn't be nominated for, looking at you, Florence Foster Jenkins, <laughs> looking at you, Into the Woods, looking at you, other movie I'm forgetting, um, that when she actually does give a great performance, it's just like, oh, another Meryl Streep thing. Um, actually, that makes me think that if they nominated Tom Hanks, that would have been a real out-of-the-box choice. Um, among the, the other nominees, because let's just assume Meryl Streep won't get it, because at this point, you know, they, they kind of blew their wad with the Iron Lady, which, oh God, that movie. Um, <laughs> uh, Sally Hawkins, Frances McDormand, I think, are the real super contenders in this race. Yes. As much as I love Margot Robbie and Tanya, as much as I love Saoirse Ronan, Lady Bird, it's 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 down to those two because they give the most notably great performances if that's if that makes sense yeah and i think too margot robbie and Cersei ronan 
they cancel each other out because one is so big and one is so small. That is such a perfect way of putting that. Is it? Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I cut you off there. Yeah, I would say, too, The Shape of Water and Three Billboards have stronger support demonstrated by their other nominations. Yeah, I mean, Shape of Water, Christ, that has 13 nominations. Which was such a pleasant surprise. Oh, man, good old Guillermo. I just want to give that big Mexican a hug. <laughs> such a genius. Um, I think Sally Hawkins could have... her. What's really in her favor is that um, they haven't given Best Actress to a mute... Uh, in a while. I know it sounds like a <laughs> random one, but they haven't done it since Holly Hunter and the piano. Uh-huh. And maybe they kind of feel like, well, might as well do it now, especially because, man, she gives it her all in this movie. It's amazing. And I am more reliant on dialogue than you are to mm-hmm. connect to a story. So for me to be blown away by her performance just shows how spectacular it was. Because I'm the one who says to you... I'm not watching silent movies with you. I'm the one who I really need dialogue to latch on to. I'm less of a visual person than you are. Yeah. I'm less visual. I need dialogue to really sink my teeth into. So the fact that I could connect so fully to this character who doesn't speak is just a testament to how it's, great it's, she is. It's a good version of like that guy and the artist winning Best Actor, which... Oh, I think God, in retrospect, right. we should look back on that and go, like, why? <laughs> I, yeah. I'm trying to remember who else was nominated that year, but they should have given that to someone else. I proudly did not see the artist, and I'm sure 30 years from now, when we're reading lists of WTF, this movie won an Oscar, the artist will The be artist wasn't list. bad. It was a good movie. But at the same time, I think the artist is going to become one of those films like... Oh, God, I don't know, like Out of Africa or something, or Chariots of Fire. Like, one of those movies that people only remember because it won Best Picture and nothing else. Um, Francis, here's, but here's the thing I'm going to say, though. Sally Hawkins is my should win. I think Francis McDormand will win. Yeah, Because I... if they don't give Three Billboards anything else, they'll give her the prize so that she can be, you know, a two-time winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, too, because she's someone who actually has said don't give it to me (laughs) like i'm all old and whatever and i've been around too much give it to someone else um but she gave like such a great performance in that you know it's such like a tricky character to pull off too because she's so like play that the wrong way and she could just be a completely unlikable harridan but she brings so much vulnerability and like sorrow to that character like I, as I saw the movie a second time, and there's this little scene where she's, like, in her bedroom, and she has on these little uh, slippers. Yeah. And, like, they're little, like, bunnies. And she's, like, talking to herself, <laughs> but using, like, the bunnies. And she's, like, ta- one bunny's like, we're gonna kill the motherfucker. <laughs> and she's like, we're gonna kill him. We're gonna kill him. Like, and, like, really dark stuff, but it's like, these two little bunnies. She'll get the Oscar for that scene. I agree with your will win and should win. And even though, but I would just barely give it to Sally Hawkins in will win over Frances McDormand. Oh, really? She might claw out a win? Well, no, I'm, I misspoke. I'm, I think, I think Sally Hawkins is should win, but just barely over Frances McDormand. Mm. So 
I'll be very happy to see Francis McDormand win. Yeah. To run through now, going on to the supporting actors, we'll try to go through this a little faster. Uh, Willem Dafoe, Florida Project, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards, then uh, Richard Jenkins, Shape of Water, and the one I didn't expect, or maybe I should have, Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World. (laughs) 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 Which is basically the fuck off Kevin Spacey nomination. (laughs) That's the nomination they gave just so that, like, Kevin Spacey would go, like, we sew in the end of the room on, like, a hotel room somewhere. I wish there was some way to know if Kevin Spacey had played this role and he had not had the sexual assault slash harassment scandal if he would have been, if Kevin Spacey I don't know. Again, I only saw him say... Literally, like, one line in the trailer. Uh, that's when he's, like, nothing. And then walks away from, like, the press or whatever. I, I only I, I hadn't seen that trailer in a while. But um, I don't know. I, that's one of those things that we'll never know. Like, there, there's an alternate cut of the film with him in it that we'll just never see. Yeah. Uh, that will be, like, Ridley Scott's The Day the Clown Cried. <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> um, in this category... I, I'm torn between, because as, as much as like Richard Jenkins and Woody Harrelson, they're just the, we're happy to nominate you nominees. They're not going to win. They're just there because they're great and, you know, we'll have them. So, now, we now you didn't see The Florida Project. No, I did not. I, I thought Willem Dafoe was absolutely fantastic in that. Uh, I don't know. Because like, we were listening to another podcast where they thought like Willem Dafoe will win. That might have been them just being all, you know, because they love that movie so much. And I like The Flower Project a lot. I think it's Sam Rockwell's award to lose. Yeah. Oh, did you see the adorable comment that Sam Rockwell's father wrote in the New York Times comment section? No. So, I didn't read the actual article. I only saw the comments. Mm-hmm. But they, the New York Times must have written some type of article about three billboards and then his father wrote i am a really big fan of three billboards i thought it was great my son sam rockwell did great in the movie i would have liked it just as much even if he hadn't been in it period well maybe not as much (laughs) that's that's sweet it was very cute yeah i know cute but it's that's a nice sentiment um yeah i think sam rockwell is my should and will win I know you don't have anything else to compare it to, so. Yeah, because of, I only saw three of these performances, and they're in two movies. And, you know, and I love Willem Dafoe so much. He's one of my, not, you know, he's one of my all-time favorite actors. You know, he's like, you know, on my wish list of people I'd love to work with one day. Um, I don't know. I think the, like, The Flora Project, though, is such a kind of small movie that the Academy voters might overlook it. Or because like that movie also is another film that got a, a lot of either we loved it or we really hated it attention. There are people who really love the Florida Project, and then there are also people I've seen on my social media that are like, "What the hell is this crap?" I'm just noticing the female lead for Phantom Thread did not get nominated for Best Actress, and now I'm aggrieved. <laughs> oh yeah, well let's get the supporting actress. So Mary J. Blige, Mudbound, Allison Janney, Itania. Leslie Mandeville, Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf, Lady Bird, Octavia Spencer, The Shape of Water. So I think, though, now, 
we should mention that Vicky Crepes or Creeps, Crepes. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She's she plays the uh, the the other female uh, character in Phantom Thread. Would you say though she was a lead though? Like maybe it would have been tough because the amount of screen time she had in that film, I think she would, would have been more of a lead actress. Well, no, that's what I'm supporting. saying. She, I noticed she wasn't nominated for lead actress. Um, I don't know. I think the the competition that category is really tough. Just because, and we should also mention by the way, just because somebody that we, you know, didn't get nominated doesn't mean they weren't great. It's just you know, yeah. only so many spaces. That's that's part of the whole fun of it. I think Mary J. Blige, though, is just, like, such a... Yeah, so... I, I barely remember her character in that film now. We we have some feelings about this movie as a whole, and her performance specifically. Yeah, um, I mean, I was thinking we could wait till we get to the two-minute movie mile to do that, uh, which I'm bringing back in this episode, by the way. Um, well, I'll, actually, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute or two, but... Suffice to say, she's the one I would take out. And even though Octavia Spencer is not like my fa- you know, she's not like my favorite actor in that in Shape of Water, I could see why they nominated her. Yeah. Yeah, she's a big bossy black lady. <laughs> they, they like nominating them sometimes. It's Allison Janney. This and Gary Oldman, I think, are my two most confident locks as far as acting awards go. It's her award. Yeah. She is so amazing in I, Tanya. Like, she kind of steals that movie. And just when you... Th- like, what I love about her character so much in that, there's this moment where you suddenly think, oh, she's made that turn that movie characters make, where all of a sudden, near the end, she's going to be nice. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she snatches it right out of the way. Um, we've talked a little bit about Phantom Thread. Leslie Manville is so great in that film. Yeah, Cyril is my god. And... <laughs> she would make... I think we talked about this after we saw the film. She would make... Uh, she would have made a great... Uh, uh, in in uh, Order of the Phoenix, that character. Uh... Dolores Umbridge. Yes, yes, thank you. Which is funny because... I think the actress they got to play Dolores Umbridge was also in Mike Lee films, which yeah. is where Paul Thomas Anderson saw Leslie Manville before. And, you know, normally it's like, geez, you have these, like, really nice, kind-hearted British ladies in your movies. Let's just get, like, some real bitchiness going. <laughs> um, Laurie Metcalf, I've heard some talk about her and Lady Bird as a kind of like, oh, isn't that nice to nominate her? That's another case where, like, her performance is so real. It's like Willem Dafoe again, where it's like her performance is so real in that film. You know, sometimes the Academy likes to nominate big. Uh-huh. Like Mahershala Lee last year, I felt like was an exception to that, where he gave a really small performance in one. Um, so I don't know. Like she might get overlooked because Allison Janney is so like, you know, big. She gave kind of like the Melissa Leo in the fire performance. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and lastly, with the director, uh, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, Shape of Water. Really a fantastic list of nominees as far as diversity goes. I think, like, everybody should be happy from this list. And if you're not, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, if you look at the director list and you have a problem, just go away. Don't watch the Oscars. Don't do anything. Um, This is where... This is where, again, I'm not sure. I 
you brought up an interesting point with Dunkirk. This could be for Christopher Nolan. But they might give it to... I think the will win is Guillermo del Toro. Because they want to have... Talking about theories again. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, for those of you who don't know, he's part of like this kind of unofficial group of three uh, Mexican filmmakers. Uh, the other two are Al- Alfonso Cuaron and Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu. Uh, they've, they've kind of worked together on each other's projects here and there. I think actually there was like a movie called Beautiful from like several years ago that Alejandro Gonzalez and Ritu made. God, his name is so long. It's like my name. Uh, <laughs> I hate saying my name. Um, but the point is, Coron and Inaritu have won. So they, want, they might give it to Del Toro so you have all three of them. And can get a nice picture with the three of them holding up their Oscars. It might also be a body of work Oscar. Yes, body of work because he's, you know, he's one of the great auteurs working today. I don't care what you say. He is a master of cinema. Now, the thing is, Nolan, he's never been nominated before. That could be a body of work thing, too. I was really surprised that Christopher Nolan had never been nominated. No, because The Dark Knight... That, you know, that it was because that got snubbed that allegedly, we, yeah. we don't know the real reason, but allegedly that's why they, in the past, like, ten years since that those Oscars, they've had uh, up to ten nominees each year. Usually they don't get up to ten, they usually have eight or nine, but, um, so it could, uh, I don't know, what do you think? I think will win and should win are both Del Toro. Right, yeah, and even though Jordan Peele... You know, it's great that he got Nami's Best Director. I'm going to say something, and I hope nobody takes offense. I don't think Jordan Peele is the strongest director out of that bunch. Like, I think it's great that Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig got nominated. But they are in a field of real big talent in there. You know, like, if, if they... They shouldn't look at, you know, if they don't get anything, like, as a problem. You know, because they, they're real races in the screenplay... Uh, category so yeah so that's basically what our big Oscar nominees look like I don't know if we need to look at screenplay uh, just a couple of quick notes there um, Mudbound got nominated in that category I actually didn't notice that oh can I for 30 seconds go on my spiel about how there should not be a separate Academy Award category for best animated feature because it's BS <laughs> oh yeah yeah well yeah well I well, go on your spiel. Okay. The reason why I was thinking of it is because when we're looking at the variety list... It's weird. It's always weird. Now, when there was only five Best Picture nominees, I still did not support the creation of a second of a separate category for animated feature, but at least I kind of understood it. I didn't agree with it, but I could see how reasonable people... Well, we were both too young to remember that when Beauty and the Beast kind of broke that ceiling and got the first nomination for Best Picture as an animated film, it received so much backlash for that. Because it's like, how dare you put a cartoon up against real cinema. The idea that you have to create this whole separate category for animated films is ridiculous. Animated films should be evaluated for best picture consideration just like any other movie. And the fact that 
we nominate movies like The Boss Baby. <laughs> or Ferdinand. For Academy <laughs> Awards, just so we can justify the existence of a separate category for animated mm. feature is ridiculous. Well, well, I've heard that they and we know yeah, where this, this is going to go anyway. Yeah, it's it's Pixar. It's nine times out of ten, it's Pixar. And Pixar really does make the best animated film. So I don't have a problem with that from a quality perspective, but. It's ridiculous. If they didn't, if Disney didn't exist, or let me put it this way, if Disney didn't put out the kind of quality work that it does every year, where I have to, I think that with the exception of maybe like one year in the past 10 years, every animated film has been either a Disney or Pixar film. It's either gone to like a regular animated film, so speak, or a Pixar movie. Then why have a category? If, but if, the, but if they didn't exist, Maybe then that would be interesting to see, like, the mix of independent fare. Because there are a couple of films, there are always a couple of movies that I feel guilty because I didn't get to see. Like, there's a movie on this list called The Breadwinner, which is an animated movie set in Afghanistan. That's all about, like, a kid that, like, dresses, that's a girl that dresses up as a boy to get food. And it's like, well, it sounds great. I don't know if a lot of people will watch that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so, ridiculous. This separate category for animated films, kill it with fire. Well, it's 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 also the Academy just has a prejudice against animated films and also other things related to animation or even puppetry, which yeah. go back, which goes back decades. You know, it, there's been talk over the years, and not without some reason, about Andy Serkis for. Yeah his work in things like Lord of the Rings or the Planet of the Apes movies, where he's giving he's giving a real performance. He's not just like a guy in a booth giving a voice to something. He's really delivering like a full-bodied performance, but they never acknowledge that. It's so frustrating, and I think the creation of this separate category is so insulting. Great animated films stand toe-to-toe with great live-action films. And the funny thing is... There have been two years where they did nominate Pixar movies for Best Animated Film. Up and uh, Toy Story 3 were actually nominated in the regular Best Picture categories. But guess what? They're nominated Best Animated Film. That completely kills any chance they'd have of winning anything in the Best Picture category. I hate this category, and I wish it would go away. It's pretty stupid. It's basically the let's pat Pixar on the back for another... Obviously beautiful, but you know, other, you know, or or Disney because last year I think Zootopia won. Um, any other final thoughts about? Oh, th- with the Oscars, one last thing I thought would be funny to mention. Uh, let me scroll down. Oh, it was nice, by the way. Baby Driver got a bunch of technical nominations. Yes. That was pretty cool. Um, uh, God, what I want to say. I oh. know I spend too much time listening to other podcasts because I can't think of Baby Driver without thinking of Dave Lozo. Don't don't go into that right now. Nobody knows who he is. Uh, He's more well known than we are. Well, the people who listen to our podcast, I don't know about that. I don't think a lot of people listen. You, please correct me if if I'm wrong, listeners. Wageofsim at gmail dot com. If any of you listen to Puck Soup or any of the other like dozen hockey podcasts that Corey gorges on. All right, but what I wanted to mention though is that. 
Call Me By Your Name got a nomination for Best Song. So you'll get reminded of it all over again. Probably in a performance. Um, oh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, my, oh, I wanted to mention one my one last, uh, if I could take out somebody from Best Supporting. Oh, I just clicked off the nominees. It doesn't matter. Um, I had brought up to you that both Harrison Ford and or Mark Hamill in Blade Runner 2049 and Star Wars The Last Jedi could have been should have been thought of for nominations. I thought about that. I think... Do you think because those are really genre movies they were not thought of? Yes. Of the two, I if I had to pick only one of those two, I would pick Mark Hamill. Interesting. Yeah. Even though... Too. I probably rank Blade Runner 2049 over The Last Jedi. Maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, I slightly do too, but I love The Last Jedi as well. Yeah. What would have been amazing, actually, is if, just to piss off all those alt-right fucking assholes, I don't have a better way to say that, they're assholes, because they're the ones that drove down the Rotten Tomatoes audience score. They got together and literally... I don't know if you know about that. They systematically got together. We see you and you're pathetic. Yeah. If that had gotten the Best Picture nomination and been the the first Star Wars movie in 40 years (laughs) to get a Best Picture nomination, I would be like, I'm going to the Oscars. (laughs) But no, Mark Hamill was was incredible. Actually, I might have taken out Woody Harrelson from Three Billboards. Because that's what, like, I think makes me a little uncertain with Sam Rockwell... Because sometimes you see two actors nominated, and then that causes the split the difference thing. Yeah, his performance is fine. I don't think the part has enough going on to justify an Oscar nomination. No, no, it doesn't. Um, all right, so if you've seen the Oscar nominations and you have any thoughts about what we've been talking about, remember, wagesofcinema at gmail.com, or also on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, Benton, what you did for me. You changed my life, truly. This means so much more to me this time. I don't know why, I think the first time I hardly felt it because it was all so new. I owe a lot to the cast, to my players, to Lindsay and John and Danny and Ed and Amy, my little friends, Ginny and Yankton. I owe a lot to my family for holding me together and loving me and having patience with this obsession of me. But I want to say thank you to you. I haven't had an orthodox career, and I've wanted more than anything to have your respect. The first time I didn't feel it, but this time I feel it, and I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. 